0: Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Alex Kapitko here, and this is the Centered from Reality podcast. It is a cold, cold day here in Chicago. You know, it might be the first Wednesday in a while that I'm actually not going to get out on a run. I, I just, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of running in the city in the snow and rain. It just gets dirty, chaotic, messy, cold. And then if you wear too much, you still get end up, <laughs> end up getting cold. So yeah, I might just be watching the snow from my apartment today. Seems like just that time of year where the re- where the weather just really starts to turn to crap. <laughs> Yesterday was pouring rain. The day before there was sun but really cold. The problem also is that they they have a city city ordinance which I guess in theory is good, but it's again why I don't like these uniform city regulations where basically I think it's from October to June they basically have to keep apartments at I think it's 69 degrees. So basically my whole building just puts on heat multiple times a day. Well, the thing is, my apartment doesn't really circulate much. So it's, at this time, 78 degrees. Then once the heat comes on, it'll be up to about 82, 83, which is quite warm to sleep. And it never gets below about 78. So I don't sleep too well during these months because the street noise, I don't want to open the windows. And yeah, it's just always about 80 degrees in here. So... Yeah, even if it's cold outside, it is never cold in my apartment. It's pretty bad when I'm, like, debating if I sometimes want to use the AC. You know, that's never a good sign. But anyways, I have a lot of things I want to talk about today. Not a lot of good news. Yeah, that's just the disclaimer right off the bat. But it's all relevant, important stuff. So I want to start the episode by talking about a troubling report about a potential— well, it was a potential Russian missile. Now that story's changing— But a missile that crossed into the Polish side of the Ukrainian border and killed two Polish citizens. I think it's the first fatality on a NATO member's soil. So that's not good. This is kind of the horror scenario that people have been worrying about for quite a long time, honestly. Poland's a NATO country. There's always the fear that an attack on NATO's soil could bring all the members into a conflict with Russia, right? This would be by triggering Article 5. Article 5 is a collective action agreement that basically states that the parties to the NATO treaty, in quotes, agree that an armed attack against one or more of them in Europe or North America shall be considered an attack against them all, in quotes, not a good situation. So we'll talk about that. And then I also want to talk about the Orange God King, Donald Trump, his announcement that he is running for president again. What a hero. And of course, his speech was full of lies, full of exaggerations, hyperbole, All the stuff we know and love. Of course, you know, he's the hero and brave for doing this, not a narcissist who likes attention, but we'll get to that. I'm sure some of the GOP are furious. I think they'll fall in line again. So first off, before we get going, I should add that Mitch McConnell, after a challenge, I don't know if it was much of a challenge from Rick Scott, is going to remain the Senate GOP leader. Rick Scott's a piece of work. I don't know why he would even try to challenge McConnell. I mean, ar- I would argue that he's one of the people responsible for how bad the midterms went for Republicans. Just because he's the guy who wanted to cut Social Security. He wanted to tax the lower classes more, which really goes well for voters. He also was, like, seen partying on a yacht uh, when he was supposed to be, fun- you know, fundraising. He lost the GOP a lot of money. Just kind of a not a great figure. So Mitch McConnell will remain the Senate GOP leader. And the, the, the other part is Kevin McCarthy is likely to be the Speaker of the House because I think it's inevitable that Republicans take the House. And he was seeing some challenges, but he will probably be the Speaker. Now, I'm not the one to come up with this idea, but I, I do think it's funny. I, I've heard people talk about how this is kind of a fitting, kind of almost Pyrrhic victory that Kevin McCarthy is going to be Speaker of the House. Finally, his dream, what he's been kissing Trump's ass for so long to do is get this position. But now he's going to have a slim majority and he's going to have all the Freedom Caucus and all the crazies trying to force him to do things. He's going to be just kind of pulled apart by both sides here. So it's sort of ironic that he finally gets his dream job and he's probably going to be miserable doing it. So, yeah, that's just kind of refreshing, (laughs) kind of refreshing to see because he is not the smartest guy in the, in the house. And also he's just kind of irritating. So yeah, we will see. But anyways, to start, I was finishing up my consular fellows exam yesterday in downtown Chicago for the State Department last night. And I was pretty excited. Uh, I got the results right away and I'd passed it so I could move on. So that was good news. After last year, I didn't do as well on the exam and had to wait. So I was in a good mood. Decided to walk in the rain a little bit, which turned out to be a bad idea, by the way. And then I looked at my phone and saw there were, were headlines of a missile blast in Poland that killed two people. And yeah, my thoughts immediately were, "Oh crap, this has finally happened." You know. But to give some background before we move on, the G O T. Uh, sorry, the G twenty, not the G O P. The G twenty summit has been going on in Indonesia. Russia last week, you know, historically left Kherson. We've been learning about the atrocities they committed there. But as they've left, Russia has ramped up aggressive missile strikes around Ukraine. I read this morning, or maybe I saw it on the on the morning news, that close to a quarter of the Ukrainian people are without energy at this moment, which is just not great news, especially going into the colder months. It seems like Russia is getting more aggressive and more nihilistic, right, as things are not going well for it so that kind of puts us into this scenario where ukraine is just seeing hundreds of missiles being bombarded and it's just not a very safe scenario i think these are war crimes in my opinion what russia is doing but anyways so yesterday this missile landed outside and please don't don't hate me for how i'm going to try to pronounce this landed outside the rural polish village of presto which is about four miles west from the ukrainian border Last night, CNN put out an article noting in quotes here, it is not known who fired the missile or precisely where it was fired from, though the Polish foreign ministry has described it as Russian-made. And we'll get into that later because I I think there is a difference between, for example, fired by Russia and Russian-made. You know what I mean? So that is something to remember for later on. But basically, at the time... That was the consensus, right? Russian-made, likely came from Russia. Not, not particularly surprising. Ukrainian officials, Zelensky, also echoed these thoughts, and of course, Russia denied this taking place. The U.S. was willing to investigate this and use diplomatic means, which, because obviously, you don't want a trigger of Article Five, as I mentioned at the top of the show. And I actually saw that Russia's foreign minister, I believe it was, actually said some nice things about the U.S. and condemned Ukraine, basically saying, like, it's good the U.S. is willing to figure out what happened here while Ukraine was pointing fingers at first. Again, this is not me saying Russia good, Ukraine bad, but I think it was good that no one was just directly pointing fingers and saying Russia did this right away. And so since the statements about Russian made and people were thinking it was from Russia, since those statements came out, the G7 and NATO leaders held an emergency meeting. I think that was last night or early today. The time differences always throw me off. But either way, after this meeting happened, President Biden said, basically, preliminary information suggested that it was unlikely the missile was fired from within Russia. But also, they weren't really able to conclusively say where it came from until the investigation was complete. And apparently, following the statements that Biden made from Bali, a NATO, uh, a NATO military official has noted that they actually can track the missile ...by an alliance aircraft that was flying above Polish airspace airspace at the time of the blast. So there are ways to get answers about what happened and how to find this. And since these statements that Biden made and this NATO official said an investigation can happen... ...Poland has been doing an investigation. And interestingly, over the last several hours since early this morning... ...it seems like more information has shed light on the issue... ...and it looks like it could have been an accident that almost caused serious escalation. Poland's president, Andrzej Duda has now said, in quotes, we have no evidence at the moment that it was a rocket launched by Russian forces. However, there are many indications that it was a missile that was used by Ukraine's anti-missile defense, end quotes. Also, NPR discusses how President Biden said the missile was probably not fired from Russia. Still, he supported the investigation, right? And condemned Moscow's latest attacks on Ukraine, which even if this wasn't a Russian missile that killed two in Poland, Russia has not been helping the situation, Right. And while I was preparing for this recording, I was watching a press conference and brief, uh, briefing with General Mark Milley, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. And I think they added some good clarification on this. I always like both of them pretty straight, pretty straight shooters in the day of kind of muddled rhetoric and chaos. And they basically discussed how U.S. and NATO experts are helping Poland do this investigation Secretary of Defense Austin said that until we get the results out of Poland, we should not speculate, which I think is important, especially when you have escalated conflict conflict on the line. And Austin, however, did say that U.S. intelligence does support what President Duda, that's the president of Poland, has said, that this was likely a a Ukrainian anti-air missile, which is not what Ukraine wants to hear. Um, But it's, I don't know, it's interesting. I should also note that they have accu—that—okay, so, yeah, stepping back again, that even if this is a Russian anti-air missile that accidentally killed two in Poland, a lot of world leaders have made it clear that they are not pointing the finger or really blaming Ukraine here and saying, this is awful, how, how can we even work with you? There's a guy, the U.N. Secretary General of Alliance, uh, Hans Stoltenberg, mentioned this as well. He said, in quotes, let me be clear, this is not Ukraine's fault. Russia bears ultimate responsibility as it continues its illegal war against Ukraine. And I think this is important because I'm sure some people argue that this was careless by Ukraine, blah, 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 could have been dangerous. See, Ukraine's also bad. I can just see all the talking points. And we cannot miss the forest through the trees here, right? Russia has caused this scenario to be present because it's bombing the junk out of Ukraine. Ukraine's had to have air defenses, right? And so, again, if if Russia wasn't there, none of this would have happened. So still the blood, in my opinion, is on Russia's hands no matter what. Now, while it looks like NATO is still unified and luckily is not considering to escalate anything, Or do anything considering a response to what happened in Poland I do think this event shows how quickly things can escalate and how the fog of war can really muddy the waters and lead to fairly dangerous scenarios unneeded escalation speculation because we just don't know sometimes what is coming out of places like Russia and Eastern Ukraine right so sometimes that can be scary and the Wall Street Journal has a good article from this morning And it discusses how, in quotes, the explosion of a stray air defense missile in Poland on Tuesday offers an unsettling reminder of how close Russia's war in Ukraine is to NATO territory. And with that risk, and with that the risk of confrontation between nuclear powers, end quotes. And, you know, this has been something I think a lot of us have worried about from day one. Because I mean, if you look at like Western Ukraine where you have cities like Lviv, they are not far from Poland. You know, a lot of that region has a lot of historical ties together as well. And so there's a lot of close regions there where you kind of go, crap, if anything happens here, things could get serious quick. We also have to remember that these fatalities on Polish soil are likely the first ones on NATO territory. And that really does, in my opinion, and I think it should, it really does have to make us all look in the mirror a bit about what is occurring on the ground. So I just worry the fog of war can always make these issues more difficult and the thing is like i'm i'm just i'm just like thinking about what could happen and i hope it doesn't but as russia's getting more aggressive you have to wonder if what if what happens if a russian missile does get into one of these areas that's what worries me more than anything anyways we will have to follow these events because things are changing we will probably get more information in the days ahead or even in the hours ahead who knows by the time this is out who knows but but i think it is good obviously that only two people died of course two people's more than an, more than should but I think it's also good that Ukraine is being calm and measured and is willing to get to the bottom of this before pointing fingers that can be sometimes hard especially in these wars where there's tragedies and emotion at play it's just not good news though and it's really scary to me right Russia is more aggressive unhinged and we just have to kind of pray that things change here because right now I do not like the writing I'm seeing on the wall so (laughs) moving on I want to talk about the historic game-changing America-saving moment that occurred last night as one of the greatest and bravest former presidents in the United States did a selfless act and decided that he would announce his run in 2024 to save the United States and make America great again. (laughs) Of course, I'm joking. (laughs) But the former president, Donald Trump, who has now lost his party midterms, a presidential election, and the Senate again, who divided the country, made a joke out of us on the global stage, and couldn't lose when it was obviously he did, has shown that he is narcissistic and is going to run for president again, even after the party seems to want to move on from him. And maybe they should, but... As The Guardian writes, in quotes here, announcing his third consecutive presidential campaign at Mar-a-Lago in Florida on Tuesday night, Trump made it clear that he viewed himself as the only acceptable option for the 2024 Republican nomination. Yay! Now, I didn't watch the hour-long rant. I know it was full of lies, inaccuracies, hyperbole, ego padding, and such. I didn't watch it because I, I do like my sanity. But, for, but, of course, from what I've seen of the speech... Trump again came out with his, you know, I alone can fix this, and I'm a hero, and I decided I need to come back and save the country, so he's such a brave guy. I am so glad he's doing this again. Anyways, in parts of his speech, he said here in quotes, This is not a task for a politician or a conventional candidate. This is a task for a great movement that embodies the courage, confidence, and spirit of the American people. The Washington establishment wants to silence us, but we will not let them do that, end quotes. And yes, this movement, this movement that involved storming a Capitol and basically equivocating, you know, white supremacists and BLM protesters, the leader of a movement who was willing to beat up protesters outside of a church during the George Floyd protests who wanted to put the National Guard on them. Very, very great movement, I know. Now, I do think it's funny to see, for example, how the New York Post actually turned on Trump once again. Of course, it used to be one of Trump's favorite newspapers. I remember in Confidence Man, that new Maggie Haberman Haberman book I was listening to, she talks about, you know, how it was his local paper and he always really values what the New York media says about him. That's really what gets him going. And it summed up, sorry, we got a loud sound out there, but... Anyways, the New York Post summed up his Mar-a-Lago speech with the headline in quotes here, Florida Man Makes Announcement. (laughs) Florida Man Makes Announcement. The article also insulted him as a Florida retiree, avid golfer, best known for gold-plated lobbies and for firing people on reality television. It's pretty good. Pretty good. And also, they had Trumpy Dumpty last week. Photoshop must not have been that hard to make him look like that, to be honest, but Jokes aside, I think people were curious if he was still going to announce, right? It's not shocking that he did, but after everything, like, I guess if he was less of a narcissist and actually listened to people, maybe he wouldn't have just because of, you know, what we're seeing here, but of course that's not, it's not him. That would be way too good to be true. But anyways, um, the party is likely going to be in another conundrum, to put it lightly, because... Trump is going to demand loyalty right as the fever was kind of starting to break. The Guardian has another good article on how Stephen Schwartzman, who's co-founder of Blackstone, the private equity firm, and he used to be one of Trump's most significant financial backers. And, you know, he, since the midterms, has said he would not support the former president's 2024 bid. He, he said in an Axios interview, America does better when its leaders are rooted in today and tomorrow, not today and yesterday. It's time for the Republican Party to turn to a new generation of leaders, and I intend to support one of them in the presidential primaries. So, I mean, you have people like that. I, I think what we're seeing, and it's kind of my theory after kind of what I've been reading this morning and ever since Trump was going to announce, is that I think the establishment types, the wealthy types, the more, I guess you could say, elitist types, even if they're far right, have kind of decided it's probably time to move on. But you have to wonder if the base will. That's what I really do wonder about. And remember, like, even if the midterms went poorly for some of these Trumpy candidates, the primaries didn't. And that's something I think we do need to keep in mind here. It's too likely to really know. But even though we've seen people starting to distance themselves from Trump, we have to go through primaries and we have to go through Trump's constant nagging. And I'm not as optimistic as some. Maybe I'm just traumatized because I've seen this time and time again. You know, the party tries to distance themselves and kind of gets pulled back like a slinky. And I guess maybe, maybe. (laughs) We will see. But the only difference this time is that these Republicans love power, especially the Kevin McCarthy types. And maybe losing some crucial races in the midterms is kind of the only message that's going to appeal to them, right? They don't care about the values or what Trump says or does. But maybe when they're losing and losing power, the only thing they seem to want, maybe then that's when they will be pissed off at Trump. Just maybe. But again, I'm still not optimistic. Also, like I have the TV on here in the background and they were flashing current polling um, in a Republican primary for for the presidential election. Trump still was up in the 40 percent. DeSantis was like around 26 percent. So I still, again, am not particularly optimistic. There's a Politico morning consult poll. It was taken a few days ago, and it does show that 47% of Republicans and right-leaning independents would support Trump if the primaries were held today or next week. And that is definitely enough to win. I think DeSantis was like 14 or 15 points below that. So again, I'm not sold. Again, we might just see the same thing I'm used to seeing. (laughs) And David Frum has a good article out today, and it's called, Trump's running and Republicans have only themselves to blame. I think it does a fairly good job of summarizing a lot of things that have probably made me pretty livid these days. For example, Frum discusses how Trump did his best to seem presidential during this. He didn't try to piss off people or sound crazy or do anything inflammatory. And even if during this speech last night it was meandering, which Trump seems to do a lot of, it did remind viewers that Trump was president before and could do it again. He also writes, that's David Frum, about reasons why it could be good for for Trump still. He discusses in quotes here, Trump ranks first in polls of Republican presidential preference. He has amassed a huge campaign fund treasury, $100 million on hand. He has a still powerful slogan in America First and offers a clear and straightforward message. Things were better when I was president. They can be better again. He seems no less physically vigorous and mentally acute than when he entered presidential politics back in 2015. And I think this is all... This is all fairly true. And, you know, I like as I'm saying that, it just kind of reminds me that even if Trumpy candidates did bad, they're still—like, like DeSantis is the only other option. It doesn't mean Trump is still, like, falling that much in the polls, right? Later in the article, I think Frum really touches on something interesting that I haven't really considered as much as—maybe I should, but it's an astute point. Frum discusses how maybe Republicans like Rick Scott, Lindsey Graham— Some of these establishment types who have kind of tried to run on Trump's wins are more to blame for the poor midterms. And it could help push voters back to Trump in a sense. Of course, time will tell. But let me read this passage about what his thoughts are. It's a bit long, but I think it's worth reading. So from writes and quotes here, the extremists and weirdos who did so badly this year had won competitive primaries in which Republicans were free to choose other candidates had they wished. Why then is Trump more to blame for Republican Senate losses than Rick Scott? The head of the National Republican Senate campaign, who spent more than $180 million with so little to show for it. Scott, not Trump, proposed a plan for huge cuts in Social Security and Medicare if Republicans won. Also, Senator Lindsey Graham, not Trump, proposed a national abortion ban after the U.S. Senate struck down Ro- or sorry, U.S. Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade. Trump did not enact brutally invasive and repressive abortion laws in the states. That was the state Republican parties themselves. Trump did not say that if um, Wisconsin elected a Republican governor, the state would never have a free election again. Trump didn't pose for campaign ads looking like a serial killer on the way to a mass shooting. And, of course, like, Trump is definitely to blame for some of this because, you know, he was (laughs) the president and elected these judges and blah, blah, blah. But it does seem like these candidates are not Trump and they tried to be. And also, like, I think some of them... Or basically that dog that caught the car, as I've talked about in the past. You know, and I've talked about this a little too before, is that like Dr. Oz could never mirror Trump, but he tried to. I think some of these candidates wanted to be Trump and they weren't. And also they had no plans. Like Trump has a clear message, even if it's BS, right? And also it is true that Republicans like Scott, or sorry, Rick Scott are really out of touch and haven't done anything to help their case. And Trump's been able to kind of sit back. It is an interesting point, even if it's not totally right, but I I can, I can understand the ideas behind it. I should also also note, too, that while DeSantis is popular with these big donors, like I said earlier, it seems like the Republican establishment and the rich donors, the big donors, the elites, are the ones moving to DeSantis. They no longer trust Trump's grift. I don't know if the same can be said with small donors who are still funding him left and right, right? Just like the average person sending like 20 bucks. And so you have to wonder. And ultimately, From also discusses how the Republicans can't just wait out Trump, which they've been trying to do. That seems to be their theory. is just he'll go away eventually if we keep kind of appeasing him. I, I think they have to actually stand up and defeat him or he's just going to exist, right? I think he may be right. Because like, last night, Trump made it clear that he will not surrender in the leadership of the party without a fight. That was very clear. And I don't really think the Republicans have the bravery to fight him. They would rather just wait him out, and that's not going to work. I'm sorry. Like Trump is a guy who will keep fighting, and in, unless you put him down, he's going to keep coming back. It shows that he still wants to wants to be there, and I, I go back and forth on what I think is going to happen next, but I could see it being likely that Trump remains. So a little bit shorter episode today, but those are kind of the two big things that have been on my mind over the last uh, 24 hours. So... Coming up on Thanksgiving, hopefully everyone can calm down. But, of course, Trump is now back, so it might not be a a sober December or January. Might need some uh, cocktails around the holidays to deal with Trump being back in the news. Anyways, you can find me on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, Spotify, all that jazz, and take care.